Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome now to the latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you so much for joining us. This is probably one of the biggest shows of the year, and that's why we are not at our normal time of 12 noon Eastern starting the show. It is an hour earlier today because today is the big Giving USA announcement, and we always change our schedule to meet the needs of the folks at Giving USA because their information is so important. Uh, today we do have on page two, and uh, don't uh, forget you can uh, call in as the announcer just mentioned. You also can join us over in the chat room. I see some folks over in the chat room. Folks, you can ask questions there. We'll make sure that those get to our page two experts. You also can email me today at tedhart at tedhart.com. Today we have Peter Fissinger and Greg Carlson joining us on page two. They are our experts today. It will bring us the big first in the nation announcements of the Giving USA 2013 reports. This again is Ted Hart, your host of the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, today is Tuesday, June 18th. This is the latest edition of the Nonprofit Coach. I'm coming to you live today from Los Angeles, California. As always here, on the Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. First up here in page one news, and don't forget you can join us, uh, follow along with our radio links today by going to tedhart.com and click on radio links. Uh, first up is uh, just uh, we have a bit of a battle of the titans here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show. Uh, the the uh, uh, number one shows so far uh, for the last uh, 12 months, uh, Kay Sprinkle Grace has pulled back into the lead, the most popular podcast here for, uh, actually this is for all time. Now it happens to be that the two top shows are within the last 12 months, um, but uh, these are the top shows of all time, Kay Sprinkle Grace is now in the lead, the most popular podcast, uh, but only two listens behind her, and that's why I say the Battle of the Titans here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is Penelope Burke in the Cygnus Donor uh, Survey, uh, and she was with us June 26, 2012. So uh, those are our two top ladies here, the two top podcasts in of all time here on the Nonprofit Coach. We're providing you links uh, to both of those shows. 
Uh, in addition, as you go through the radio links, you will find the top ten shows of all time. Uh, those two are battling it out for the uh, top spot. So uh, why not take an opportunity over the next uh, few days to have a listen to those two absolute titans again. Kay Sprinkle Grace uh, with her uh, holiday strategies uh, and Penelope Burke with the latest information from the Cygnus Donor Survey, the two top shows of all time here on the Nonprofit Coach, and they happen to take place within the last year. Uh, next up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach, uh, you will also find over in the radio links, um, we've got some uh, best of news and some worst of news. Shame, shame shame on the 50 worst charities in the country. Uh, Center for Investigative Reporting is uh, uh, has a report out on the worst uh, charity in the United States, Kids Wish Network. Shame on these folks. Every year they raise millions of dollars, supposedly in the name of dying children. Every year it spends less than three cents on the dollar helping kids. Most of the rest gets diverted to enrich the charity's operators and the for-profit uh, companies that Kids Wish uh, hires uh, to drum up donations. In the past decade, uh, it reports that Kids Wish has channeled nearly $110 million donated for sick children to its corporate solicitors. An uh, additional $4.8 million has gone to pay the charity's founder and his own consulting firm. So really shame on uh, uh, Kids Wish Network, but they also go on uh, to point out that the uh, 50 worst charities in America devoted less than 4% of donations uh, raised to direct uh, cash aid. Um, so this is really not the best of America and really puts a black eye on all of us who are out there working so hard um, and certainly is the counterbalance to the fantastic news that we'll be getting today of so many uh, hundreds of thousands of people across this country who are working to do good, to support important charities that are really changing lives. Um, so the, uh, we're also going to share with you today the great news. Uh, the San Diego is once again named the top philanthropic city in the United States by Charity Navigator. Uh, this is an organization that analyzes and ranks the nation's charities. For the first fourth time in nine years, San Diego ranked number one on the group's Metro Market Study, which evaluates the state of philanthropy in 30 U.S. metropolitan markets. Uh, this is a big leap over last year's uh, study when the city ranked 19th. So bravo to the folks uh, who are in San Diego who are being so philanthropic. No doubt you've had a big hand in the announcements that will be made by Giving USA today right here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, the other top five cities in the 2013 list, uh, bravo and congratulations to the fine citizens of Houston, Kansas City, Cincinnati, and San Francisco. And next up here on the Nonprofit Coach, I want to bring a good friend here onto the show who has uh, uh, some DVDs that he's been working on, a series of training uh, sessions with some of the top experts in nonprofit uh, uh, philanthropy. Uh, Christopher Davenport is here live with us. Uh, hello, Christopher. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Ted? Christopher, thank you so much for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. Just briefly, I wanted to ask you to uh, sort of bring my listeners up to speed on what's the project that you're working on. And I know uh, specifically um, you have uh, one of our top-rated podcasts uh, here on the show. Tom Ahern has uh, been working with you on a DVD set. Um, so tell us all about that and how people can access your good work. 
Well, Tom and I, this this project started a couple years ago because we were, you know, I, I do a video series, weekly video series called Movie Mondays, and a lot of people would say they were having a hard time communicating with donors. And just looking at how, and I'm sure you've seen this, looking at how people communicate with donors, they're not, even though they know they need to be donor-centric, a lot of organizations don't know exactly what that means. And I'm sure you were saying earlier that Penelope Burke is one of the top podcasts for you, and she you know, preaches donor-centricity. So Tom and I created, since he is a world-renowned expert in this area, we created a DVD series with him going through his techniques of what people can do to be truly donor-centered. And I was reading this morning in about the Giving USA, Giving USA um, report, and they were talking about how 40% of the organizations that they surveyed said they were going to do things differently this year. They were going to raise money differently this year. And what Tom found was that when he talks to organizations about donor centricity and how to do it, how to change your language, people stepped up and they changed how they talked to donors and they were able to increase fundraising by not just little leaps and bounds, but huge leaps and bounds. I mean, up to 1,000% change in fundraising. So we're hoping that these DVDs really help nonprofits up the ante and bring in so much more revenue than what they're used to bringing in now. And as far as getting well, the DVDs, yeah, I'm I was sorry, go say, ahead. How can, how, no, I was, uh, thank you. I mean, that's, that's fascinating. I think we have a lot of listeners today that certainly uh, are here at mid-year uh, looking at what can they do to move uh, that needle. And, uh, of course, one of the uh, – uh, the big uh, announcements today, of course, is giving USA. We're going to really ponder all of the data today, uh, both the uh, the good and maybe the uh, the troubling today. So anything that can be done to help um, our listeners be more successful in their fundraising, I think, is helpful. So how can they access uh, the work that you and Tom have been doing? Well, my site is 501videos.com, so you can go to www.501videos. Dot com forward slash tom hyphen special dot html and uh, we're doing an intro introductory special at the moment so you can get, get the dvds for half off plus free shipping today and uh, you'll be on your way to raising more money and retaining don donors for the lifetime of your donors it's great well that's great well and this is part of a of a broader series as you said 501 videos dot com um, there, what are some of the other topics that folks will see are covered when they go uh, to your website? Uh, earlier this year, we launched the Donor Retention Project, and we've got donor uh, Roger Craver. We've got uh, a Adrian Sargent. We have so many world-renowned professionals on that as well that are experts at donor retention. We also have 100 Donors in 90 Days, where we also have um, another set of really great, well-known experts on how to, how to bring new donors into an organization. Um, and these are all series that have grown out of the questions and the desires of people in um, the nonprofit world that email me saying, hey, can you do something about this? 
And so really it's kind of customer-generated ideas as far as the products that we put out um, to help people raise more money and well, obtain donors course, longer. Right, and of course the focus always is um, helping our listeners uh, make sure that they have the very best advice. And in some cases it's from uh, folks that maybe they can't afford to hire themselves as consultants because these are uh, the, the top folks and uh, they tend to be very busy and they do the best they can on fees, but they can uh, attempt to be outside some budgets and this puts them within reach. Exactly. Well, Christopher Davenport501videos.com, thank you for coming on the Nonprofit Coach, sharing us uh, the wonderful work that you're doing, and particularly today, our good friend Tom Ahern, uh, who is one of the top podcasts of all time here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you for joining us. Sure. You're welcome. Thank you, Ted. Take care. Uh, we're wrapping up uh, page one news uh, today just to uh, uh, draw attention to our uh, newsletter. Uh, you'll find over in our newsletter, as you know, we do host the People to People Fundraising LinkedIn group. Uh, that group now has over 2,347 members. Uh, so you can go over to P2P, the letter P, the number two, the letter P, fundraising.org, and you can sign up for uh, free on the LinkedIn group and make sure that you are getting the newsletter here for the nonprofit coach. You'll also find over in the newsletter uh, uh, today uh, that we have over 2,072 followers on Twitter. We do use Twitter to make sure that you get up-to-the-minute information about the nonprofit coach, our guests, and future shows. Uh, with that, it is time for us to delay no further. Uh, make sure that we get over to the big announcements from Giving USA. We're on our way over to page two. First guest here on the Nonprofit Coach for page two to make the announcements for Giving USA 2013 is Peter Fissinger, President and Chief Executive Officer at Campbell and Company. Peter has 27 years of professional experience in institutional advancement, including designing and implementing major capital fundraising strategies, annual giving programs. He's known throughout the industry as one of our top leaders. Peter has worked with organizations whose campaigns have ranged from $5 million to $5 billion. Peter chairs the Advisory Council on Methodology for Giving USA and serves on the board of the Giving Institute. He's a past president of the Chicago chapter of the Association of Fundraising Professionals and goes on and on with his uh, very strong background. But most importantly, he is here to make announcements about Giving USA. Peter, welcome here on the Nonprofit Coach. Thank you very much for having me today. Peter, we are absolutely honored here on the Nonprofit Coach. This is the third year that the uh, fine folks at uh, Giving USA at the Giving Institute have chosen to use the Nonprofit Coach as one of the uh, uh, first announcements of the big numbers coming out of Giving USA. We all know that Giving USA is the gold standard of information and data regarding philanthropy throughout the uh, United States. So again, uh, thank you for joining us uh, here. Uh, we also have a colleague of yours uh, here on the show. Uh, again, we're honored uh, to welcome uh, L. Greg uh, Carlson. He is the chair of the Giving USA Foundation. He's our special guest today, president of Carlson Fundraising. Uh, Greg has 25 years of development experience and is president of the Carlson Fundraising LLC. Um, it is uh, my pleasure to uh, welcome also here on the nonprofit coach, Greg Carlson. It's good to be with you and your listeners again today, Ted. 
It's great to have you folks back here on the show. Of course, we always uh, change the, the date and time to make sure that we're uh, aligned with your plans to make these announcements. Uh, it is, uh, this is uh, the uh, first announcement here on the Nap Profit Coach. So, gentlemen, I'm going to let you folks decide who's going to make the announcement first, but let's go with what people look at first. What are the top-line numbers? What happened uh, to total giving in the United States last year? Craig, you're the chair of the foundation. Why don't you lead off? Uh, thanks, Peter. Well, Ted, we have good news. Um, in 2012, for the year that we're, we are reporting, uh, total giving in the U.S. reached the point of $316 billion. That's with a B, just over $316 billion, and that represents a 3.5% increase over giving in 2011. Adjusted for inflation, that's 1.5% as an increase. That's really incredible numbers and not entirely expected. Were you folks surprised at giving USA uh, to see that strong showing? Well, we're, we're very pleased in that uh, this really represents the third consecutive year of increased growth since uh, the depths of the Great Recession uh, hitting uh, its low in 2009. So we're very pleased that we've continued uh, an increase in digging out of where we've been. That's an incredible uh, numbers, and 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 P Peter, give a little bit of uh, context. Uh, Greg is mentioning that uh, this is continuing growth. Is this strong growth? Is this strong enough to meet the needs of the sector and meet the needs of people who demand uh, and re uh, need uh, uh, services from our sector? Well, I would call the growth positive, uh, but frankly, somewhat modest. I think we're happy that it is three consecutive years of growth, as, as Greg noted. When you adjust for inflation, it's, it's really a bit, little bit less than 3.5%. And when we look at the history of philanthropy, if you adjust for inflation, it'll probably take another, at this rate of growth, another six or seven years to get where we were prior to the recession. So, you know, it's, it's good news uh, but we always want to be working to build philanthropy as much as possible. You know, the, the economy is the greatest indicator of philanthropy, and the S&P 500 was up in double digits last year, but there were some other statistics that moderated uh, things. Unemployment hovered at 8.1%. The 50-year average is 6.1%. Personal uh, income went up, I think, 3.3%. And personal consumption, which is probably the greatest indicator of philanthropy because it, it, it reflects how people feel about their security and their ability to invest, increased, I think, around 3.6%. So we're really looking for the economic momentum to sustain itself enough for people to feel confident. And then I think that growth could continue, and I think it could really increase in the coming years. Well, and we actually need it to. As you said, um, the, the estimates are that it could take it until 2018 just to recover. And, of course, the needs have been so great and continue to grow throughout that period of time. So uh, as positive as this news is, and, of course, we're all pleased to see third uh, straight year of gains, um, it's relatively modest gains in light of what's being demanded of the sector. Is that not correct, Peter? I think there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, one, there, there are some interesting things that happen in, if you follow this data. It's remarkable to me that if you go back to the recession, when the stock market dropped by 
that giving to human services actually went up. And what that shows is that people really do respond to basic human needs. Another really positive statistic is that two out of three households give something every year. We're able to note from the data, though, that 80% of all giving from individuals is by itemizers, people probably who have a little bit more wealth, a little bit more complicated financial situation. So there's, there's broad response to the needs in philanthropy. Um, and, you know, we, we think that if the economy can continue to grow, that we're going to see even greater response in the future. But this is good news. This is three consecutive years of growth. So we continue on our recovery here. Well, and philanthropy is a, a strong sector. It's a, it's a resilient uh, sector in um, uh, in uh, the U.S. economy. Um, but but one of the concerns I think um, that a lot of folks have is that um, over time and currently it hovers around two percent of the uh, of the economy, uh, and uh, demands continue to grow. Um, is that sort of a stubborn number that's not likely to change, or are there things that can happen? that you see within the numbers that could uh, change that 2%? Historically, Ted, it, it has hovered around the 2% mark, as you, you point out. Um, there's uh, incremental uh, things that can be done, investment and continuing fundraising growth activities. One of the things that I point to as a, um, a, a real game changer is the giving pledge that I'm sure you and your listeners are familiar with in terms of Warren Buffett and Bill Gates challenging other uh, mega-wealthy to consider giving away at least half of their income prior to their death. In the U.S. this uh, past June, we just hit uh, the point where we have 100 giving pledge donors. And uh, it's difficult to value the estimate of uh, these folks, but roughly speaking, they're looking at over $500 billion dollars well, if they all give away at least half, and many have pledged to do even more than that, you're talking about $250 billion. Well, that kind of giving which, can really move the needle. Nearly, in at least in the ball, is in the ballpark of a total year of giving of, of all sources. Exactly right. So it's, it's always going to be a combination of those breakthrough ideas, the giving pledge, coupled with the incremental change you can make just with your basic blocking and tackling day in and day out best fundraising practices. We're going to uh, one of the interesting things about that that you know the giving pledge to which Greg referred is that in the end it's really about volunteer leadership. And so this is something, you know, to move the needle in the in in you know folks who are listening who work in maybe smaller modest nonprofits, how do we move the needle? Engage volunteers it's a it's a way to get peers talking to peers and i think what's interesting about this giving pledge is there are a few people who decided they were going to do this and then they went and started talking to others one-on-one -on -one about why they'd chosen to make this kind of commitment it really is i greg i agree with you, it really is dramatic I, and, and really it's those kinds of ideas as greg said that can move the needle and and more importantly i think inspire people of goodwill to make an important difference in our philanthropic sector we certainly know the needs are there gentlemen we're going to take a quick uh, station break here when we come back i want to delve into the numbers because uh, greg just brought up the importance of volunteer leadership and i think helping volunteers understand how philanthropy works where the money comes from and where the money goes uh, is extremely important. So if you just hang tight, we'll be right back after the break. 
guests are so important and the information that they are sharing uh, is so vital to all of our organizations. We're going to keep this uh, station break very, very short. And that is just to remind you of upcoming uh, programming here on The Nonprofit Coach. Next week, June 25th at 12 noon Eastern, our regular time here for The Nonprofit Coach, Jen Fila and Helen Brown will be here to talk about prospect research. That will be our final show before our summer break. Uh, as you know, here on The Nonprofit Coach, we always take June, July and August off because we figure all of you have better things to do than to listen to The Nonprofit Coach, and I can guarantee you that your host has better things planned. Um, but it is a great time for you to catch up on the hundreds of podcasts here on The Nonprofit Coach, and in particular, the top ten shows of all time. Uh, we will be on summer hiatus from June 26th, returning to you for our fall, fall schedule, returning on September 10th. So make sure that you are following us on Twitter, that you are linked to us on LinkedIn, that you are getting the newsletter at p2pfundraising.org so that you get all the announcements as we come back with a very exciting fall lineup on September 10th. So don't forget, next week is our last show before our summer hiatus. Uh, and with that, we've got too much to talk about. We're heading back over to page two. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And live here on The Nonprofit Coach, we have Greg Carlson and Peter Fissinger. Gentlemen, um, you were just uh, talking about the need for volunteer leadership, the importance of uh, volunteer leadership. Uh, and I wanted to get into the numbers you just made uh, the uh, big announcement here on the nonprofit coach, first in the nation, uh, the $316.23 billion, with a B, uh, dollars were donated from American individuals, corporations, and foundations. This represents, in a slow economy, the third straight year of gains. Um, beneath the numbers, though, um, we see growth in um, uh, three important areas, individuals, corporations and foundations, I wanted you to speak to that, but we also saw a decline in bequests. Uh, so gentlemen, can you help us make sense of the growth areas, um, what that means and what that says to you and should to our volunteer and professional leadership, but also the decline in bequests? Go ahead, Greg. Um, thanks, Peter. Um, Ted, it, it's... Uh, been true for the last 58 years uh, that uh, Giving USA has been putting out uh, the annual report, and that is that individuals far and away give the majority of money uh, in this country. Uh, some outside of the nonprofit sector sometimes thinks it's corporations or uh, family foundations, et cetera, but really the vast majority are individuals, uh, American households giving the money, and that's uh, approximately 72% of all giving. And for 2012, that was actually an increase of nearly 4% uh, of overall giving coming from uh, families and individuals. The, and when you the number – yeah. go ahead. Well, I was just saying when you, when you add in uh, the, the bequest section of that, uh, was growing growth from individuals still strong? It, well, you know, if you look at – the growth was, again, it, it – it's 
third consecutive year of growth. And so if you look at individual giving, the numbers usually are very close to what the overall growth in giving is. So we're talking about a, a significantly synonymous pool here. And, and, again, the growth is positive. We think it can accelerate in coming years if the economy continues to stab stabilize and grow. But I want to build on what Greg said about individual giving. If you look at 72% that individuals drive and then add the 7% that is included from bequests, which are recently deceased individuals, and then on top of that, it's estimated that about 6% of foundation giving is, um, or excuse me, about 45% of all foundation giving is family foundations. And so that adds another 6% to the total. It's really 86% of giving being driven by individuals. Just a, a note on the bequest statistic. This is the area that fluctuates the most. And so it actually is down a little bit this year. But if you look, two years ago, there was a two, one $2.5 billion request made by Margaret Cargill to her family foundation. And that moved the needle on both the bequest category and the giving to foundations category. So, so it really, you know, of, of course you can't predict, and it's it's less of a straight line because it does depend on uh, when wealthy people pass away and what decisions they have made in their estate planning. You know, it, it it does depend obviously on when wealthy people pass away. But what one of the things we saw during the recession is that organizations that budgeted some time to work on their plan giving program every week, every month, every year, fared a little bit better during the recession. And this is one, I, you know, I, we like to, I like to equate it with an exercise program, that in addition to all the other things you have to do every day, if you can invest a little bit of time, you may not see the return right away, but eventually you're going to see the benefits. And so even though it's a smaller piece of the pie, we recommend organizations really try to even just build a humble bequest program if you can because plan giving can be a way to stabilize the giving to your organization when you're when you're having challenges in other areas well and i think that's such an important point that you make i often point out to, to folks that i provide counsel to that you know it, it's almost seen as a windfall for a lot of organizations when they suddenly are notified of a bequest Maybe they didn't know that that was coming. Someone had made those plans. Uh, but rare, rare is it the case that there was no contact with the organization at all. In other words, somebody somewhere along the line had built that relationship. Someone somewhere along the line um, was doing that yeoman's work that was so important to making that request possible. Uh, and so if you're not doing that now, then uh, future development officers, CEOs, and others who are counting on that influx of uh, funds at some point won't have those same benefits. I completely agree. 
That's good. Um, so giving by corporations um, grew by a very large number, um, and, of course, we're making the, the caveat here that it is a, small, a smaller part of overall giving from the uh, incredible generosity of individuals in the United States who really carry and shoulder the weight of philanthropy. But corporate giving is important and does uh, continue to grow, and it rose by 12.2%. Uh, any story behind the story? This is Greg Ted. Um, overall, uh, corporate pre-tax profits increased in 2012 about 16.6%, which is the third year of increase. We've all been hearing about uh, record profits in corporate America. Um, giving USA finds that uh, giving by corporation really tracks pre-tax profit growth, but lags by about a year or two. And so we're, we've continued to see an increase in corporate giving, uh, really following the increase in pre-tax profits and, and um, American corporations doing well. So, so we see, if I'm understanding you correctly, um, we see almost an immediate impact on the good fortune of individuals um, tracking to philanthropy. Uh, but good fortune for corporations, um, while it does come to the philanthropic sector, uh, it does lag. Yeah, our findings are that it's uh, a year and a half to two years uh, for because of the budgeting process often with corporate America, uh, they're, with their budgets being fixed uh, a month before the beginning of whatever their fiscal year is, and then they don't really revisit their giving strategies until it becomes budget time again. Okay. And, and what about um, the, the work of foundations? Where does that fit into the overall? Um, the, the growth there, I believe, was 4.4%. How does that track year over year and our foundations giving as they should? You know, f foundation giving also tracks over a longer period than any given fiscal year. Uh, we, we found uh, during the recession that Many foundations were able to sustain their giving. Some of them dipped into assets, but, but more importantly, they tend to give out of assets based on as much as a 15-quarter rolling average. And so we wouldn't expect uh, the foundation giving to spike at the rate of the S&P 500. They do give based on, on the value of their assets, but they do it over a longer period of time to even out the response uh, to the value of those assets. In addition, as I said earlier, 45% of this category is family foundations, and so we would expect perhaps that the, the giving from that sector, that part of the foundation sector, might reflect what's happening in individual giving a little bit more closely than just the foundation giving uh, strategy of giving out of the percentage of, uh, percentage of one's assets. What, what is you said that if I'm understanding you correctly, that represents 45 percent of total foundation giving is linked to family foundations. Approximately, that's the estimate. And and is is a good portion of of that also linked to the bequest number, or is that more of a, a top line philanthropy number? It, it can be linked to the bequest number in a given year, but if you look over a longer period of time, the, you know, where the, the sources of giving, what you've seen is a modest reduction in individual giving and a corresponding increase 
in foundation giving. And the reason for that, we believe, is that individuals, wealthy individuals, are transferring assets into family foundations. So the, the, the overall statistic hasn't really changed. It's just where that money is coming from is changing. And another thing about that that I, you know, frankly I think is really positive is people who are creating family foundations are are also often being very strategic in involving multi-generation family members in the giving decisions and they really want to pass the the practice of philanthropy onto their children and grandchildren. What that can mean for charities is they have to be careful to understand that there may not be just one decision maker. There might be multiple decision makers, and they may cover multiple generations uh, in seeking a gift from a family foundation. So the, it, it is a, it is more complex, but can oftentimes uh, be very important level of giving. Now, when you look inside the numbers, which is what we want to do and help our listeners understand, um, I'm wondering if you can help us draw the parallel. Now, I understand foundation giving overall is giving, uh, growing, and uh, 45% of that foundation number is linked to family foundations. However, giving to foundations declines by 4.6%. Is this um, a relationship to possibly an influence of donor-advised funds? And where do those funds fit within the overall giving? Uh, yeah, in a, in a couple of ways, um, uh, Ted. Uh, Peter referenced the Cargill gift in 2011 skewing things. That That's a factor even in looking at foundation giving in 2012. So in 2011, there was a $2.5 billion gift uh, to the Cargill Foundation. We did not have that mega kind of gift to a foundation in 2012. So you, you do get some of those fluctuations as a result of uh, uh, mega gift giving. But you're right, Ted. There is um, a, a bit of a draw away from perhaps uh, foundations and particularly family foundations to the do donor advised funds. We're talking here about the Fidelities, Vanguard, uh, Schwab uh, type products that are out there. Exactly. <laughs> or, right. or, or Cap America, which also is a donor advised fund. Um, so, in um, in relationship there, are you saying that that take away the influence of the Cargill gift um, would would that be relatively flat for foundation giving? Exactly. I would I would say that foundation giving relatively is flat uh, if you factor out the Cargill gift from 2011. Giving to religion is also virtually flat, and this uh, this has uh, uh, been a trend for a few years. Is there any story behind that story? I, I think there's a very interesting story behind that, and, and in fact, the longer-term trend is that this area of giving is declining. There was a there was a research study that came out last year that suggested that that found more Americans are describing themselves as unaffiliated with any church or synagogue than ever before. Along with that, there are fewer Americans who are going to church or synagogue every single week, and therefore giving to this sector might be declining. I think the larger picture there perhaps is that there might be a dialogue here about the, what, the extent to which, if at all, that could impact philanthropy in the future. Because some people see 
giving to religion as the birthplace of philanthropy. It's where people belong to a community. They go every week as a family. They're encouraged to give. They give to their church or synagogue. And those churches and synagogues also support human service entities. And some think that's where people learn to give. So if giving to this sector is declining, could that impact philanthropy? The flip side of that is that philanthropy has matured to the point where people don't have to be anchored in that sector in order to be very generous, and there's a lot of data to support that as well. As chair in the Council of Methodology, we're going to be creating a task force to look into this area of giving more carefully and see if we can find some answers that that you know will reflect the overall giving trends, but it's really quite interesting. Yeah, well, I find it absolutely fascinating, and I'm so glad that you're going to be looking into uh, the methodology of of how that is tracked. Because I do wonder, and and this is just something I wonder if you you've given some thought to. Uh, you mentioned the maturing of the philanthropic sector, uh, and I think that when you look at the history of of religion and giving to religion. Um, in many cases, oftentimes that was giving to a church that then would provide certain services or would dole out those funds to things like uh, the community, human um, service organizations, health organizations, uh, certainly public so society benefit. Um, and so in a, in a small way in some communities, the church was sort of the conduit through which other philanthropic efforts would be supported. And now that there's a diversification, and, and I, I call it more of a, a, a personalizing of philanthropy that people now give directly to other charities, is it, more, is, it, is it more of an issue that it's not so much a, a decline of religious giving, it's that people are giving directly to other charities that might in the past have been receiving money from religious organizations? I think it's a very good point, Ted, and, and yes, I would agree that that's happening. Uh, Peter and I are old enough, and uh, we have enough gray hair now, that uh, we remember when giving to religion was over uh, 50%, close to 55% of our of Giving USA's famous pie chart. And now in 2012, we're showing that at 32%. But we've seen increases in human services giving, as Peter referenced earlier, as well as other sectors. So I think you, you really put your finger on that there's a bit of a transfer in how this money is being reflected and counted. That said, uh, Peter's point about um, attendance being down for houses of worship, et cetera, it just has to be having an impact overall on faith-based giving. Mm -hmm. I think the larger question the large here... Sorry. I, I was going to say, I think the larger question here could be where do people learn to give? And... I do think that we're seeing, for instance, in a, a wide range of educational-related entities, programs on philanthropy. And so hopefully that, that teaching and learning about philanthropy will continue to thrive even if um, regular attendance at, at houses of worship declines. And, and I think that will happen, but I, but I do think that it's, it's worth, you know, some careful... Uh, inspection. Well, I would absolutely agree with you because I, I, I think it's uh, again I, I just sort of posit that the, um, the the story behind the story here is more diversification and a personalization 
of philanthropy because you see the same thing uh, again you're you're pointing to your uh, your gray hair and and uh, remembering days gone by. There was also a day that uh, the United Way was far more influential in terms of how philanthropy was managed within a community and and that has declined as well and I don't think it's uh, it's an indication of a lack of philanthropy within a community um, it's just how it's being measured and how it's being given. Well, first of all, let me just say that Greg's being very kind in describing my gray hair because he knows that I have hardly any hair at all. But anyway, back to the, We're the back to the main topic. <laughs> um, United Way giving has struggled. If you look at public society benefit giving, it's actually up this year, uh, and so th those organizations have struggled to reorganize. And frankly, you know, there's some evidence that they're starting to make progress. Uh, historically, United Way has had to uh, has relied on workplace giving, and there's uh, there's significant evidence that workplace giving just isn't quite as strong or powerful as it used to be. And, and frankly, it's more it's a little bit more competitive. But the idea that somebody might give to an entity who would decide where the money would best be used is still compelling to some uh, in this country. And so public society benefit giving actually rose a little bit last year. Exactly. Gentlemen, I just uh, this is fascinating, but we do have a caller. I want to make sure that the caller gets an opportunity to spend time with you as well. Caller, uh, area code 201, you're live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Oh, Ted, this is Susan McDermott holding for you. Oh, Susan, hey, wonderful. I didn't recognize. Uh, well, I'm, let, let's I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt your, your conversation. Keep going. No, that's great. I'm I'm sure that, okay, Susan McDermott from John Wiley and Sons. Susan, I'm sure you've got a great question. We've got Greg Carlson uh, and Peter Fissinger. I know that you're also here to talk about next week's show. Um, so why don't we just roll, roll all that together, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, uh, ask uh, these two experts on uh, giving in the United States since you sit in such an important seat of education. Oh, well, um, uh, I'm, I, I regret to say that I actually just joined the call and wasn't privy to the entire conversation. Uh, that's okay. Well, we have Greg Carlson, Peter Fissinger. They're here making the national announcement of uh, the Giving USA 2013 numbers. Uh, so sorry to catch you a little bit uh, off guard. I saw oh, you on I'm uh, so sorry. The quick there. Um, so we're just a little bit off schedule because I know, Susan, you're running behind. So very quickly, um, I know that you came on to make the announcement for next week's show, which is our last show before the summer hiatus. So uh, quickly, why don't we uh, have you do that, and we'll get back to our topic. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so next week, and, and thank you again for being such a support to uh, to the series, the AFP Fund Development Series, and next week your guests will be uh, Jennifer Filla and Helen Brown, who are the authors of Prospect Research for Fundraisers, um, which basically offers uh, essential tools for implementing right-sized prospect research techniques to help nonprofit organizations reach their fundraising goals. And uh, I think it's um, I think your your listeners are really going to take some valuable um, valuable uh, content away from that. Talk. Well, and, and I think a, a particularly timely talk to take us into the summer hiatus because that's a great time uh, for research to be done, to be reaching out to donors, to have very uh, you know casual and sort of fun time getting to know donors a little bit more. So I think it's good timing. Uh, Susan, I'm, I know that uh, we got a little bit off schedule, so I want to thank you for making a point of uh, coming on the show and making sure that we're properly prepared for next week's show. 
Thanks, Ted. I'm sorry. I think that was my mistake, and I, I, uh, I no, that, apologize. That, 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 yeah, well, we're a little, we're an hour off from our normal schedule, so don't worry about it. But I do also just want to say, have a wonderful summer, uh, because you and I will speak again in September. We sure will, Ted. You take care. Thank you so much for for being so supportive. You bet, you bet. I'm sorry, gentlemen, that uh, was Susan McDermott. She was uh, live from uh, John Wiley & Sons. They, we do a monthly series called the AFP Wiley Radio Show here on the Nonprofit Coach where authors from the AFP Development Series um, are here on the show offering their information. So I got a little bit off schedule there. We're right back now with Greg Carlson and Peter Pissinger on the, the absolutely fascinating numbers behind the numbers uh, so, gentlemen, we're uh, we're back. We were talking about where the money uh, is coming from. But if you don't mind, uh, could you help us understand where the money is going? Um, are there big changes? Are there growth factors? Are some areas not as popular, maybe, as they have been in the past? Ted, one of the um, deeper uh, dives on the numbers reveals, I think, something very interesting, and it ties back into a discussion of, building back from our lows of the 2009 recession, and that is we've had two subsectors actually achieve or sur surpass their record all-time highs of 2007, and those two subsectors are health and then secondly, human services. So each of those two subsectors have really uh, built all the way back to their um, uh, pre-recession highs. And, of course, those are two areas that with the aging of our um, uh, population and the needs of the poor uh, continue to be called upon to provide even more service. Um, so that's a positive sign to the philanthropic sector, wouldn't you say? I absolutely do. And, and coupled in, in the health care, of course, we've had quite a health care debate and discussion in this country going on for the last uh, four-plus years so it's interesting that uh, that sector continues to uh, reach out uh, for support to its family base and succeed, uh, really now approaching record levels. And again, does you this um, uh, go back? No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, this is Peter. I was just wanted to build on Greg's comment that if you look at where the money's going and what the positive trends are, there are three sectors: education arts, culture, and humanities, and environment and animals that saw growth uh, almost double in the case of arts and culture or more than double the overall trend of 3.5%. And, and what that suggests, I think, is that there is a growing tendency of some wealthier folks who have appreciated assets making larger, maybe even transfer more transformational gifts, and those gifts tend to go to sectors like education, arts and culture, and environment, and animals. Art, the arts and culture sector was affected uh, most negatively by the recession, and we know that donors in that sector tend to be slightly more educated than the, than the general donor population, tend to be wealthier than the average donor, and tend to live in urban areas. And there's anecdotal evidence that those people, in, you know, when, when, the, when a recession hits, are among the folks who turn uh, strongly toward giving to basic human needs. And then when their assets are doing well, they think about big gifts that could you know, really strengthen the art museum in their town or maybe a, a performing arts center. 
And so we see big gifts to that entity as the market does well. And so between the two areas that Greg noted have gotten to their pre-recession highs and these other three areas that are moving faster than the overall average, I think there's some pretty good news there. Yeah, and, and as you mentioned, um, you know that that sector of the philanthropic marketplace, and in some communities, was nearly decimated. So the kind of growth that they're seeing now is that uh, bringing them back to um, uh, pre-recession uh, uh, numbers, or are they still struggling to to meet those numbers? I don't have that exact number, but I know they haven't they haven't gotten back to their pre-recession level yet. The two that Greg noted are the two that have. Well, that, and that's very positive news because, as we all know, arts and culture are extremely important to the um, the fabric of uh, of many of our communities. And it's good to know that philanthropy is starting to flow back there. Um, education, human services, again, those those uh, uh, along with healthcare organizations. Uh, I just wonder if that is part of the story behind the story with um, uh, people giving more personally, giving more directly, uh, creating those relationships directly with charities as opposed to. Uh, necessarily giving through religious organizations or giving through other uh, entities, which I think in years past uh, was much more prevalent as uh, sort of a filter for philanthropy, and those those filters don't seem to be holding up over time. Mm-hmm. Would you would you agree with that? That's that's a trend, or that's something that is a good theory, but maybe we need to uh, survey that a little bit more. This is Greg. I, I, I very much agree. I very much agree with you, Ted. That um, it, that we're counting the money differently because the money is being given to different sources. Um, all sectors are have grown. Even religion has grown. It's just it's a smaller percentage of the overall pie. Speak to speak uh, to one of the the other areas that has seen growth. Uh, over the last few years, and that's uh, international giving, giving uh, outside of the United States. How is that faring more recently, and what's the trend line been looking like? Well, the the rate of growth in international giving slowed down quite a bit uh, this year. It's To your point, it's over a 10-year period is the fastest-growing use, if you will, uh, of giving or destination for people's giving. That did slow down last year. We, we, we think that there are a couple of different things going on. Uh, for one, uh, some international giving every year is driven by a significant uh, sort of disaster that attracts global philanthropic attention. And, and fortunately, there was nothing uh, dramatic like that in the past year, like, like but I tsunami, think the larger like picture, a tsunami or an earthquake or something of that sort. So, so you're saying that that right. can be the difference between uh, growth and just continued moderation. I, I think that it's some of the difference, but I, I do think, or we think, that the longer-term trend is that this is a growing destination for philanthropy. And I think what it reflects is that as donors mature, to your point and give directly to the things they care about, they're also viewing themselves as global citizens more and more. And and they don't necessarily think that a problem on the other side of the world is is not their problem to try and help solve. And that's a very interesting trend 
in philanthropy where uh, people used to just look in their neighborhood, you know, it really started with their family, then their neighborhood, then their community. We now have donors who are trying to impact change across the globe, not the least of whom, by the way, is, is Bill Gates and his wife, right. Melinda. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and, and my listeners uh, know that I serve as CEO of the Charities Aid Foundation of America, CAFAmerica.org, and uh, we saw an 80% increase year over year. Um, principally, most of our work is international, helping American corporations and individuals, uh, foundations as well, uh, to make a difference internationally. And we see that continuing to grow, and quite honestly, we see the trend line uh, continuing to grow. So I think that 10-year average that Giving USA is looking at um, is, is going to continue uh, to be strong. Uh, gentlemen, it, as is always the case when we have such a fascinating topic and, and incredible guests, um, we are nearing the end of the show. So I want to make sure uh, that in the three minutes remaining here on the show, uh, the two folks share your advice on how should volunteer leaders and professional uh, leaders for organizations Use the numbers that you brought to us today. What does this mean? Well, Ted, uh, this is Greg. Um, uh, if your listeners were to go to um, givingusa.org, they'd have an opportunity to uh, do a couple of things. One is we offer a complimentary, that's free, executive summary of the Giving USA data, and so they'd be able to download that information and study that further. Beyond that, we do a much deeper dive through the actual report that your listeners would be able to order. And further, there is um, the uh, PowerPoint slides that include uh, commentary, and we've added additional, if you will, um, presenter's notes to the um, uh, PowerPoint presentation that uh, illustrates our famous pie charts and graphs. I strongly recommend that your listeners consider uh, during their next board meeting, uh, sharing this information. Uh, these PowerPoints are well uh, organi organized and uh, laid out, and in a very 15-minute kind of fashion, uh, your listeners would be able to educate their board members as to uh, the broad brush, big picture of what we've been discussing today. And again, you can get that at givingusa.org. And we're providing a link to uh, GivingUSA.org uh, in the radio links at TedHart.com uh, today for the show. And, of course, providing that information can help every board of directors across the country understand where their personal work and their own community does fit on a national and international scale. It's well said. Um, so, uh, Greg Carlson, Peter Fissinger, thank you so much for being my guest here. We're honored uh, to have the uh, fine folks at the Giving Institute and Giving USA, uh, in particular for the third year in a row, to use the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show uh, as an opportunity to make these important national announcements regarding the golden standard for data on the philanthropic sector. Gentlemen, thank you for being my guest here on the Nonprofit Coach. Ted, thanks for all you do. Thanks for Always having great us. great to have you. You bet, always, and we'll look forward to next year's announcements. Don't forget, our final show for this season uh, is next week. That announcement was made by Susan McDermott. We'll be back next week, and then we'll be wishing you a wonderful summer. This has been the Nonprofit Coach Special Edition, Giving USA 2013. Take care, gentlemen. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. 
tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach.